Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 19, with Tina Rose on the evolution of a women's healthcare practice. And welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute, where since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. You can learn more by visiting npbusiness.com and the cliniciansbusinessinstitute.com. Today I'm interviewing Tina Rose. She is a nurse practitioner business owner at the Just Us Women's Healthcare Center in Massachusetts. She has recently just celebrated 10 years in private practice, so congratulations, Tina. You're going to listen to us talk about how she got started as a pre-med student and then found nursing. We'll continue her story with her journey through nursing school and then also how working for somebody for 20 years actually got her start thinking about starting her own practice. Now she's been in practice for 10 years and it's now going through an evolution. So now let's take a listen to Tina Rose. I've been a nurse practitioner now for 33 years. Um, I'm a women's healthcare nurse practitioner certified. And I was working in a private OBGYN practice with a solo physician who was wonderful. Um, I started with him in 1990 and uh, we worked together for nine years. He let me build my own practice, um, was very, very respectful of um, my role. And uh, then he became ill and, and retired, um, sold the practice to the hospital group. And it was a Catholic hospital group. And the, pra- the hospital group only agreed to buy the practice if I went with it. And they made sure they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I took all the patients, went with it. And it became a revolving door of um, physicians because I had to use coverage from other practices. I was the only provider in the practice. We brought in a new provider, lasted a few years, another provider, another few years. I built their practices. They left. I was the only stability. And then um, the, the hospital group was, was losing money, as a lot of hospitals were back then. And in 2010, they were selling to a for-profit investment firm. It was um, 
I believe Cerebus Investments created Steward Healthcare so that they could start buying up hospital groups. As part of the sale, each hospital group had to show profit. And my hospital group was real close to uh, being profitable, but not quite. So I was laid off after 21 years building my practice and taking care of um, three generations of patients oftentimes. So that by the time I was laid off, I was now taking care of these young women whose heartbeats I had listened to when they were in utero. And it was a blessing. And they, my patients loved me. I loved my patients. And I never thought, I thought I would be retiring there. And uh, I should have seen the writing on the wall. And in some ways, I think I did. When um, practice became much more about what the administrators said you could do, and they started forcing me to see four or five patients per hour, which I felt was unsafe. And I actually had a hospital administrator say to me when she said I had to see four patients per hour, regardless if they were prenatal visits or IUD insertions or annual exams or colposcopies, did not matter. As you know, it could have been four colposcopies an hour even. And um, I said I could not possibly care for four patients per hour and not and maintain my license. And she looked at me and said, we don't pay you to care. We pay you to examine. That's when I saw the writing on the wall. And I thought to myself, this is not an organization I really wanted to be affiliated with if that was the case. That was about a year and a half before I was actually let go. And I went into work on a Monday morning, September 1st in 2010, ready to do my job. And I got my pink slip. And they said, um, we have to show profit. Uh, The sale is going to be finalized on October 1st. So me and my um, nurse and my my LPN and my secretary for that group were all laid off. I was the only full-time nurse practitioner in the uh, department. And that's why I was going to, and I was there the longest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I got cut. And um, I was shocked. Uh, I remember, though, as I was packing up my things, I said to I instead of calling my husband to tell him I was laid off, I had another nurse practitioner colleague that was in another hospital group um, that we used to meet nurse nurse practitioners in our area. We used to have uh, monthly meeting uh, quarterly meetings just to kind of collaborate and talk about what was going on in the field. And uh, in June of that year, one of my colleagues announced that she had given her resignation after 17 years with another doctor. And I said, wow. And I I knew they had had a great relationship. I knew this doctor really well. And I couldn't understand why. And she said she just couldn't deal with the um, BS anymore. And the hospital administrators forcing them to see more and more patients. And the doctor wasn't as, um, he was much more restrictive in what he allowed her to do than the practice I was in. But I knew she was very well qualified and her patients loved her. So when I got my pink slip before I called my husband to say I had lost my job, I called her (laughs) and asked her what the uh, market was like out there. And she said it was pretty slim. So I said, put a pot of coffee on, I'm coming over. (laughs) Then I called my husband, I went to her house and we sat and um, I said, I wanted to um, start a practice. And she thought 
wow, really? And I said, if you bring your patients and I bring my patients, we could do this. So uh, that's when we set the wheels in motion that very day. Had you thought about this previously or it was just in that moment that was the reaction which by the way for everybody listening it was 10 years ago this is her 10 year anniversary yes it was it was 2010 uh september 1st of 2010 and by december we had incorporated wow (laughs) so um you know i i think i i had had thoughts of it i honestly didn't think it would be possible. Uh, But that nurse practitioner group that we used to meet with, we used to have a different speaker. And, you know, we had dermatology NPs, pediatric NPs, women's health NPs, and we would all do a presentation. And this was back in the day when we could go out to dinner on the pharmaceutical company's dime, and we would do an educational piece for our community of nurse practitioners. And we might have had about 10 or 12. And Um, I think our, we had one scheduled for September, um, that was going to be a nurse practitioner in Massachusetts, the other end, the other end of the state, about an hour and a half away from me that had, um, opened her own, um, GYN clinic. And I said, I didn't think that was possible. And so we actually booked her to be a speaker, uh, for, for September and September 1st, I was laid off. And uh, so, but what happened uh, back in 2010 was the Stark laws got a lot stricter and pharmaceutical companies could no longer take us out to dinner with us doing a presentation without them providing the information. So we actually hosted it in my, on my back deck (laughs) that, that year. And we had um, um, some food delivered and, and she came and spoke to us about what she went through to open her practice. So I spent uh, the next month uh, researching on nurse practitioner business ownership and found you. <laughs> and, and that was what, through, through my research. Um, I found the N, NPBO. Was that? Yes. And um, I, I, I registered or I, I started, uh, I became a member and uh, got lots of wonderful information. I also, uh, one of my other uh, colleagues through my, my um, hospital group was a, also a women's health nurse practitioner. She was not full-time any longer because, because she had triplets. <laughs> and uh, so they kept her on. And she did not get laid off, even though I had been there longer. But her husband was a um, business owner, an accountant. And he did accounting for almost all of the practices, the solo practices, physician practices, dental practices. So um, we ended up, I had dinner with them. My husband and I had dinner with them and he laid out everything I needed to do in order to create a company. And um, and when Darcy was my previous partner, uh, came in, um, decided that she was gonna go in on me with me. We did an S Corp, we incorporated, he um, hooked me up with the uh, business attorney, um, and we just set the wheels in motion. Um, and one of the things I, I guess I should say, I did see the writing on the wall when the company, the hospital group wasn't doing well. About a year, a year and a half before I got laid off, I started saving all my schedules 
print out my schedules. And, oh my goodness, that was smart. <laughs> and I was bringing them home. So um, I had them. And so the first month as I was planning all this, I was uh, calling all my patients. I created a new email account to be able to give them um, and let them know that um, I would be uh, either going somewhere else or starting my own practice. And, you know, 80 to 90% of them said, I'll follow you. Let me know where you're going. And so I started keeping all their names and sending out email updates that, you know, we're looking for space. We had to find a physician collaborator. And um, side note is my physician collaborator is probably one of my best friends right now (laughs) and a dear, dear friend. And it was probably, it was very difficult to find at first because particularly in OBGYN and in our area, there were very few, if any, solo OBGYN practices. And so some of the prior physicians I had worked with through that revolving door had moved over into another hospital group, um, one of of the partners of the Boston group. And, um, but they were all uh, hospital employees or, um, or other corporate employees. And in their um, contracts, they were not allowed to collaborate with non-employees. Right, right. That's so common. Very common. So, um, so we knew in my hospital group and in my partner's hospital group, we, um, there were no solo providers at all. And so we went to one of the other hospital groups um, just south of Boston. And there were three or four hospital groups there. And we started, um, you know, making appointments to bring them breakfast or lunch and talk to the docs. And oh, so, so we would take it. So we would have, uh, you know, um, uh, lunch or, or, or breakfast with the docs. And they, we were only looking at the female docs because our, we had come up with our practice name. At the time, it was called Woman to Woman Health Center. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, and there's an interesting story of why we had to do a DBA. Um, but um, the first doctor we met with, um, she was very intrigued because they were going to get not only were they going to get um, a stipend, but they were also going to get all our surgical cases as well as our obstetrical, which is the crux of their business. We were not going to be doing any OB. And so, and they both, they all had heard of my reputation. They knew my name in the area. And, um, but the practice manager poo-pooed it and said, no, the liability, and we're not doing that. So then we went to a second one who was very um, intrigued and uh, loved the idea and had a satellite office probably within 15 minutes of where our office was going to be. So it would work very well. And uh, it was probably early December or late November um, that we had met with her. And she was um, very excited, thought it would work out really well and pretty much said, yes. She said, I'll just run it by the partners at our holiday party next week. Mm-hmm. And she ran it by her partners and the senior partner, um, a, a, a male OBGYN who had started the practice um, basically said, no, he didn't believe in nurse practitioners. 
Right. So uh, that fell through. And then I remembered in the back of my head about four years prior, the partner that I had been working with left us. It was the third doctor in the practice to have left in about eight years and went to this hospital group um, that had just, you know, uh, the doctor that said, no, he didn't believe in nurse practitioners. She went to his group and she lasted two years and then went to another competing practice two years later. So about two years prior to this, she had called me and uh, we didn't have a very good relationship. It didn't end on a good note. She was somewhat narcissistic and, um, but she called me and said she was going to this other group in the hospital chain and um, she wanted uh, our secretary to come work with her. Could I give her, her sec- the secretary's number? And I thought that was strange. And I said, no. And then she says, oh, by the way, my senior partner, the, doc- the senior doctor in the group um, has heard about your reputation. And she, she asked me if I could try and recruit you. She wanted me to go work at this hospital group. It was closer to Boston, a lot of traffic. And and I said, you know, my son was maybe two years old at the time. And I said, no, I'm not going to be dealing with traffic and all of that. I said, thank you can thank her. I go, she can reach out to me. They'd have to make me an offer I couldn't refuse. But I remembered that name. I remember that name. So two years later, I remembered there was this doctor that was trying to recruit me. And I thought her name was Celia, and I knew it beyond the D. So I just went through a search, and I found her name, and I called her. And she said, sure, come on in and meet with us. Just, And she said, yep, I'll do it, no problem. She was fed up with health care. She was fed up with what they were doing to her. And, you know, she actually went into health care to help people um, and found that she couldn't help people the way she wanted to anymore. And... Um, the rest is history. She became our physician collaborator on the spot. Excellent. Excellent. And that's obviously worked out for you because she's still with you, correct? She's still with me. She has retired from that group practice. Um, and uh, she was she was the second, um, she was one of the original founders of the practice and they really did not treat her well. Um, she got into aesthetics and she's the one who introduced me to functional medicine and lifestyle medicine. Okay. Uh, very, very uh, holistic and wanted to really treat her patients better than they were being treated. And um, they, because she, her children were grown, they tried to put her on call more and said she could work the holidays and she could, um, you know, be on call more. And, and uh, so so she stopped practicing about four years ago, but she maintained her license and mm-hmm. still collaborates with me. Um, she still does aesthetics for various groups. She opened a um, med spa for a little while, but, you know, didn't didn't stick with that. So she um, so she still collaborates with me, but I use other OBGYNs um, right now if I have patients that need surgery or um, be, become obstetrical patients. I say, where do you want to deliver or where do you want to have surgery? You know, and I know all of the doctors and pretty much all of the local hospitals and I can send you anywhere. So today, so you started out as a GYN practice. Pretty much just uh, women's health. Just women's health. And over the years though, you've morphed it into more holistic 
integrative functional yeah. integrative practice. So mm-hmm. do you want to how what drove you in that direction? My physician collaborator. Okay. For sure. Um, we used to talk a lot about um, healthcare and the lack of care in it. Um, and she introduced me to um, Nutrimetrics uh, Custom Health Solutions, which she, and that's why she had originally tried to recruit me. And one of uh, her colleagues from Northern Mass is a board certified OBGYN, but became one of only 20 board certified lifestyle medicine physicians. And so now that whole family is my dear friends. And that's how we ended up um, working with a lot of other nurse practitioners um, around the country. And I started taking all my CEU education credits in functional medicine and took some courses with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine um, with them and um, and then got some trainings through through the Nutrimetrics Educational Institute and work with naturopathic physicians, um, several naturopaths. And uh, so it was a process. Um, right. I probably began focusing more Um about six years ago, I do a lot of hormonal um, wellness, medically supervised weight loss without medications and surgery. Right now, I have four uh, four clients this past year that have lost over 100 pounds wow. and opted out of gastric bypass surgery because I feel that that's really a Band-Aid. And, um, you know, they have to be dedicated. They have mm-hmm. to want it badly but it works, the system. Um, Working with the naturopaths have really helped me see the benefit of lifestyle and nutraceuticals and looking at our food sources in this country and um, and our lifestyle choices that have really created illness. And how do we get back to the root cause instead of putting Band-Aids on everybody's symptoms? Right, right. And I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, Mm -hmm. how we're all initially trained physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs to um, first see people very quickly, but then mm-hmm. it's prescribing a medication. And I even remember in my last clinical rotation as an FMP student, because mm-hmm. I did the GMP stuff 10 years earlier, but as an FMP student um, in urgent care, I had a PA who told me um you know, he, he wanted to see what I had done with this patient. And I said, well, they just, you know, they had a virus. I told him to go have some chicken soup, something along those lines. You know, just go take care right. of yourself. This right. is this is a virus. You don't need any antibiotics. And he got on my case about that. If you don't give them a prescription for antibiotics, they're going to just go somewhere else. And I looked at him and I said, well, then they can go somewhere else. But it's not indicated here. And um, and this was years before we really saw a push to get people off of antibiotics. But um, I mean, that was his thought. We were going to lose that patient in that practice if I did not give them antibiotics. And I still hear a little bit of that, Um, you know, and that that people they want all this stuff. And yes, there are some, but I think a lot of that, as you were saying earlier, it's, we've got to educate our patients. Exactly. And that's, that's why I think I chose nursing to begin with. Um, I was pre-med for four years. I was at Tufts University in Boston, 
pre-med and took my MCATs. Okay. And I have, I had no experience with nursing whatsoever. I have nobody in the family. Uh, my brother is a physician. So he was, he was in med school. Um, and I, that's what my guidance counselor told me I was supposed to do is because I loved biology and science. And um, so you have to go to med school. And I worked in a hospital my junior summer after my junior year, saw nursing for the first time. And I used to joke my joke, my famous joke. And, um, you know, if everybody's old enough to understand, um, my only experience with nursing was Amy Vining on General Hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Did I bring you back, Barbara? (laughs) I, I remember General Hospital. I don't know if I remember Amy, but General Hospital. But General I, is, Hospital. Was she the nurse with the cap? With, and... with the cap and the blonde hair and the high heels and yes. the flirt. Yes. That was my only experience with nursing. Okay. So I got a job in a hospital. And, and the job for what it really was. I was a, I was a nurse's aide. Um, okay. at, um, and this was 1982, 83, 1983, I believe. Um, and uh, they put me on the 11 to 7 shift on the oncology floor. And the oncology floor, back then, all chemotherapy was in-house. There was no cancer centers, no outpatient care. And I, 11 to 7, I saw nurses caring for people and their families and dealing with suffering, emotional, physical, mental, all of it. I saw the nurses calling the doctors and saying, we need an order for this. So-and-so's going through this. We need, And I saw the doctors coming in at 7 o'clock in the morning, signing off on the orders, waving to the patients, and off to their office they go. It was my aha moment. And wow. I decided I want to do that. And so I went back to school and tried to figure out a way that I was going to be a, a nurse. Um, and it so happened that, you know, when I used the health center at school, I saw a nurse practitioner. I said, huh, what's a nurse practitioner? And I had an advisor that told me about um, Yale New Haven and Mass General's program for master's degree in nursing with non-nursing undergraduate majors. Um, I looked into several BSN programs at the time and um, early 80s, they was going to they told me it was going to take me a full three years to get a BSN after a bachelor's degree in biology, human anatomy. And because they wanted me to take nursing science, not I said, how is nursing science different than science? So they weren't going to accept my credit. So um, I, I um, was one of the third classes to graduate from the Mass General Hospital's Institute of Health Professions. All right. So, so that's that's a I mean, it's not a huge, huge switch because it's still health care. Oh, absolutely. But, but the philosophy of care yes. is is yes. a big switch. That's like a 180 degree switch. Huge switch. And, and, and yeah. you know, Mass General is probably the best place for me to have been at the time because they were really innovators in the field and very research based. We actually had to write a thesis to graduate, mm-hmm. do an original piece of research at that time. And um it, it was it, learning the philosophy, too, behind nursing and the diagnosis. That's when all the diagnose, nursing diagnoses were coming out. Oh, yes. Yuck, <laughs> yuck, yuck. All of that. Um, but it really, it really um, morphed with my beliefs and my, my 
value system. So um, it was, and, and when I entered the uh, program, I was planning to be a pediatric nurse practitioner. And um, I think I was very, very lucky that by the time I entered into the program, they dropped the pediatric rotation. <laughs> Because during my generalist part, during the RN part of the program, um, I did not like my pediatric rotation whatsoever. So, Interesting. I didn't either. Uh, I, I felt didn't like it, either. Was, it was med surge on steroids. <laughs> it was another world. To it me. was another world because an infant in an 18 year old all fell into pediatrics. They had nothing in common. Nothing. So, so women's health was the next best thing because I dealt with the infants prenatally and newborns. And I focused on adolescent um, gynecology, adolescent contraception. And um, my thesis was on adolescent contraceptive decision making in the inner cities. Oh, that was a good one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my journey. So, so, so then you started, eventually you started after working for 21 years in, in a practice, you started your own practice just as a regular GYN practice. Now you morphed into, is it like a holistic uh, integrative primary care for, for just women? So when I started as a women's healthcare nurse practitioner, even with the original physician, you know, I... I, it was before primary care. It was, before, it was managed care was just starting to come into play. And, um, you know, most of the patients from the practice had gone from their pediatricians to their gynecologists. Gynecologists were the primary cares of women. And I was very excited when the NCC, our certifying body, changed our certification from OBGYN nurse practitioner to women's healthcare nurse practitioner. So even back then, I was known for saying, I am a woman's health specialist. Last I checked, women have hearts, women have stomachs, women, we are not just a sum of our reproductive parts. A concept, that's just a mind-blowing concept, isn't it? <laughs> it? It really is. And so even years before I even considered holistic care or my own practice, I was saying, you know, and, and I give a lot of credit to my original uh, physician partner who who owned the practice. Um, he was he was a blessing. He really let me build my practice my way and valued me. He he likes to in some way he was very paternalistic, too, though. He would say, well, you know, you went to Mass General and Tufts. That that says something. <laughs> and he used to tell people that I was more like a junior doc. Okay. Well, if that fits his, model, you know, that's then, it, it, yeah. it, it. It made him feel good. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, it's um, it. So I, so I always felt that we did the primary care for women. If I detected a cardiac defect, I sent them to a cardiologist. If they had high blood pressure, I put them on a um, hypertensive medication. Um, if it was beyond our control, we sent them places. But uh, even when they did start the managed care insurance models in our area, we were a primary care. So we had to give the referrals. And okay. so um, so it was always considered primary care for women. Mm-hmm. But um, then as the administrators changed, we were no longer allowed to be listed as primary cares. So when I started my own practice, I couldn't be listed as the primary care. Mm. Okay. But, 
today I'm famous for telling my patients, why is it that women are supposed to have two physicals a year? One from their gynecologist and one from their primary care. And I said, is is their physical better than my physical? She goes, no, your physical is much more. And I spend time. I will not see um, I at least a half hour with all of my patients, which is yeah. why I have to change the model. Right. And so that's a great segue into where you're moving now with your practice. Okay. That again, I mean, this is a... a a 10 year process. It's not something exactly. that you come to overnight. It's what you grow into. Right. So how's it looking? What's it looking like for coming up for um, 2021? And and by the way, for everybody listening, we're recording this in December, but it'll come out in January. So okay. 2021. 20, actually, yes, I've already opted out of Medicare and I'm creating, I'm working with that, my same accountant, an attorney to uh, create a new practice. I'm actually trying to think of a name for it as we move. So one day a week will be dedicated to the new practice as I opt out of all the insurances. I, I cannot survive in the insurance model as a solo pr practitioner. So I guess it's been about five or six years in the making because my partner originally lasted about four years. She left and I bought out the entire practice. And I thought, oh, I can make it work because now I'll have even more patients because most of her patients stayed. And um, and I, I hired another nurse practitioner for a while, um, but I let her build her own practice too. And it never really built up. So um, she didn't stay. And a solo provider that's accepting insurance payments cannot meet the overhead to survive. It just, I just don't see it happening. That's why there's multiple providers in a practice or people are going cash-based. And I realized mm -hmm. to go cash-based, I really needed to change the focus. So over the years, I've seen a lot of medically supervised weight loss um, for the morbidly obese and, um, and word, and I do bioidentical hormones. So I really got into hormonal management and looking at the gut health for hormonal balance. And word has gotten around um, in the area. I've done a few speaking engagements um, through both Nutrimetrics um, uh, Educational Institute as well as local in the community. And um, I've gotten more and more new patients. And I, I realize now that if I'm going to be going cash-based, I really have to create a separate company. And um, I've worked with another colleague, um, of both Penny and I's. I don't know if you know Dr. Brian Brown. He's a DNP um, out of Tennessee. And he does functional medicine. I think he's, his original um, certification was in psych, but he moved over to functional medicine and uh, because of his own health issues and how he uh, uh, overcame them and found functional medicine. And he went cash-based. He was a 100% insurance-based. And he kind of taught me to do one day a week mm -hmm. with my new company. So um, that's what I'm going to be starting in January, hopefully. All right. One day a week is going to be just hormonal and weight loss because weight loss is hormones too. Right. So, right. Yeah. And so then you'll keep your insurance-based practice and as your cash-based practice grows, I'll the do. other will come yes. down yes, and you'll start converting people and eventually yep. opt out of all of your, all of my insurance models, all of your insurance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one of the things that I'm going to assume that you're doing, and I'm always careful about assumptions, (laughs) but um, just in talking with um, other people and what I've learned when you are starting a whole new company that's going to be cash-based, everything is separate. Absolutely. New bank account, new name, new phone number. And a new space, a different space. Uh, it, it's going to be mostly tele. It's going to be, it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, or actually it'll probably be, I will have um, used the same address too, but my new company will be paying some rent. Right. We'll be paying rent too. Right. It has, it, yeah. See, the thing yeah. is it has to be separate. Um, it has to be totally separate. When. Um, tax ID number. Right. Everything. Yeah, if, everything. I think I think actually the very first episode of of this series since I've done podcasting before, but of the NP Business Matters podcast is Nancy Derubo. Oh yeah, and Nancy talks about how she was able to start a separate company and took a room that was specifically for that company because she actually right. had Blue Cross come and do an audit really? and to look at the space. And since everything was completely separate, you know, okay. the phone, the there was a sign on the door, the door was closed, the computers were separate. Okay. The, you know, wow. all yeah. of that. Um and and it came out of a patient complaint. They wanted the insurance to pay for something that she did in that portion oh. of her practice which was completely separate. So well, I'm currently renting space. And I rent space out in my practice right. to um, an esthetician who does um, aesthetics right. and another laser um, right. company that comes in and when I'm not there. So they're renting space. Right. And that's a very smart thing to yeah. do. And I have um, a lab, a lab in my practice that rents some space and they have their own sign on their door and mm-hmm. and all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for your new practice, that same kind of, of separation, because oftentimes we, we hear from people who, well, I want to do this, but over here, I want to do this. And, you know, you've got to be so careful and you've already opted out of Medicare, but this question comes up every week. Mm -hmm. You can't do Medicare in one practice and opt out of Medicare in another practice. Exactly. So, which is exactly why I, you know, and and thanks to uh, Dr. Penny for for guiding me too. Um, I, I, uh, my my opt out um, actually is January 1st because to opt out of Medicare, it's on the first day of the quarter. Right. So I had submitted my letter in October and my intention and I've got, they received it and they know as of January 1st. um, And I have a letter that all my patients will have to sign. Right. Knowing that I can't order, I can't do their pap smears. Medicare is not going to pay for their pap smears. Medicare is not going to pay for any blood work. So if they're coming to see me for that practice. Right. Right. Excellent. Perfect. 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 So one of the things you had said um, earlier before we started recording that the nutraceuticals um, have, have made a difference um, in your practice um, probably for your patient's health, but your own financial health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, c- 
Can you maybe talk a little bit about how what you're doing with this company is not the same thing as a multi-level marketing no. type thing? Because no. people get those confused. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a network marketing company. Um, because it's only online, but the division of Nutrimetrics is part of our larger company. And the division of Nutrimetrics is only for healthcare professionals. They do have um, certified consultants that get special training to work with healthcare professionals to help with the marketing. So everything, it's, it's more similar to a franchise than it is to a multi-level marketing company because there's no levels. We don't get paid on any levels. Um, we do, however, um, work together so that when I said I work with nurse practitioners around the country, um, w- when I help them set up a Nutrimetrics account, we actually share a hundred percent of the credit of so we get points for everything. And in, in addition to our retail profit, which is important, um, we get um, commissions. So the commissions is what's really saved my uh, financial. <laughs> life and has allowed me to continue the practice for as long as I have. Um, you know, it was actually doing fairly well pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then um, when I shut down for two months and I'm trying to pay back all my back bills, um, the PPE loans just weren't enough. My medical assistant decided not to come back. And all the policies that I have in place is actually causing me to spend more money to see less patients. So that's when, and also the two months that I was home, I was doing much more with the nutraceuticals and much more um, um, with the, co- the the other company. So my income actually grew substantially <laughs> with okay. that by helping others who have lost their jobs or who were looking. I, I work in, in all the different industries. You know, there are many different uh, branches to the company, but Nutrimetrics is, and, and a weight loss there's a weight loss, uh, TLS select is the weight loss division. So between the weight loss and the nutraceuticals and, and the science base behind them, um, we use, um, all isotonics, minerals and vitamins so that there's no binders, no fillers, and there's 95% bioavailability. Um, so not only did I see it make a difference in my patients' lives and in my family health, my, my family's health, it's been tremendous. Um, so it's really something I can stand by. Um, I use several other lines as well because obviously we don't have everything. So I do use full scripts and have an account with them. Um, as I've done more and more studying and more courses, there are, there are things, you know, that, you know, Nutrimetrics might not have that I'm going to try and get a hold of, Uh but, um, Uh But the weight loss program has really made a difference and it it became almost the bread and butter of my company. Excellent. Excellent. And so these are just products you recommend Mm -hmm. to your patients. And Mm -hmm. when they buy them, they're Mm -hmm. getting them at whatever your discount might be. And then you have a... Or how is that actually working? No, they, they, they purchase them from a website that I have. So I have a website through... Uh, Nutrimetrics that uh-huh. says Just Us Women Health Center on it, and um, and they can buy them through there. I do keep a little bit of inventory in my office. I do a lot with um, Nutrigenomics, so I do DNA analysis through them too, which has been unbelievably um, uh, 
helpful in getting at the root cause and, and understanding that one size doesn't fit all, especially when it comes to weight loss. Um, so I, I will make recommendations not only based on their blood work, but also based on their DNA. And, you know, I loved, I love genetics. I always did, um, even in my undergraduate years, genetics was my, my biggie. And, um, so now to look at the human genome project project and look at, you know, why does this diet work for these people, but not for them, you know, and it's all in the DNA. And so I'm going to recommend nutrients and, um, and lifestyles based on their DNA. Um, it, the system we use actually looks at 48 genes and 61 different SNPs um, to look at hormonal health, uh, nutrient metabolism, cardiovascular health, mental cognitive health, um, childhood um, health, fitness, what type of exercise works best for your DNA. And, and I love to describe how your DNA and your genetics is, is like your car. It, it's not going to go over the cliff by itself. It's not going to go to the peaceful meadow by itself. But your lifestyle is the chauffeur or the driver. So are you going to drive your lifestyle over the cliff, your, your genetics over the cliff, or are you going to drive to the peaceful meadow? How do we turn the volume of your good genes up and turn down your bad genes from expressing themselves? And that's yeah. been the difference maker. Wow. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. So I, I am so excited that we got to talk again because the last time we talked it was way in the beginning when I started, I think it was when I was doing NP interviews and we did the live webinars on Sunday nights every yes. month. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. Like, yes. That was like 2008, nine it, or it, so. It was, I. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was a while so then, ago. So then I then I may have found you. So then I may have already had the idea of possibly starting a practice before I got laid off. Oh, I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can find those. Yeah. You know, that'll be fun to so. compare them. So because yeah. and, and one of the things um, and I think very briefly here, the woman to woman health care. There was already a company by that name. Was there not? No, there was not. Not I had to do the research in Massachusetts. There was no other company with that name. And uh, there were several uh, women. And it was uh, singular, woman to woman. So it was one woman to one woman. We wanted to make sure of that. Health center. There was no, no none of that. There was woman to woman health care. There was one. And um, I worked with the Small Business Association in Massachusetts also. And um, the one piece of advice that they gave me was before I chose a name, make sure the dot com was available. Exactly. That's exactly yes. what I tell people. Yes. So it was available. And that's how we came up with woman to woman health center. And um, there was other woman to woman's, uh, there were jewelry companies, there was um, other companies. But in um, um, I, in two two years after we had opened, or a year and a half after we had opened, I was always precepting students, mostly from um, my alma mater, and it was in um, in November December, and I had the student work on a blog for stress um, during the holidays for women, and she ended up quoting. She was doing some research, and she found the group um, in Maine, um, Women to Women. 
That's what I was thinking of. Yes. yes. And they were doing um, their own concocting their own nutraceuticals and and all that. And they were branding that. And so she, but they wrote um, they had spoken about something. And so this student ended up um, uh, using their 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 quote and gave them credit for it on the blog. So they got notice of it and they sent the attorneys after us. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the name. They didn't, they were four, four hours away from our practice. And um, so, but they wanted the um, .com name. And so, oh, yeah, okay. so, so they, they tried to tell us that we were infringing on their, their name, their rights to their name, that they had um, woman to woman and they had women to women, not woman to woman. Um, and we, uh, my, my business partner at the time had a, her husband's colleague was a um, trademark attorney. So he gave us some advice and he said, no, this is this, the term women to women now is like Band-Aid, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more generic and, and they wouldn't stand, but rather than fight, we didn't have the uh, financial wherewithal to fight um, them after they sent the attorneys after us. So we agreed to change the name and we ended up changing all our signs and, and did a DBA um, and legally in our, our incorporated name in Massachusetts is still woman to woman health center. But we have a DBA and all our signs is just us women health center. Okay. So that's what we changed it to. We yeah. kept the same logo and everything like that. And uh, then they sent the, I call them the worldwide web police. And they sent, because they, they asked us for the domain name and we said, no, I will sell it to you. But we, what, um, from the advice of the uh, small business association, I bought Woman to Woman Health Center dot com dot org, Woman to Woman Healthcare dot com dot. I bought them all. We only right. host, we only hosted one of them, right? And I have them for years, and they were upset, and they wanted them, and they put a. Um, they said if we didn't give it to them, they were going to put in a, a, a with the tribunal or whatever it is that that does this, and it's a mediator. And uh, the attorney sent me a, a sample response that he had done. Um, and I did it myself without hiring anybody. I went through the sample. I had all the documentation of the letters that the attorney had sent them saying, we're willing to change our name pictures. We changed our name. Um, but there, they had to prove that we chose that name specifically to steal from their website or to, and it's like, we don't see anybody virtually, People have to come into our office to be seen. We weren't selling any nutraceuticals <laughs> or anything at the time. Right. It was, it was, I wasn't even into holistic care yet. So um, not only did they lose from the World Wide Web Police, um, the mediator that wrote it said their attorney should have be brought up on malpractice for even bringing this because there was, yeah, it was so frivolous. Oh my goodness. And did they end up buying the domains? No, no. They okay. Yep. They're lost. They're lost. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you know, totally on a different subject. Uh, a lot of people buy up domain names and then will offer to sell them to somebody. I mean, they flip exactly. domains. It's like flipping houses. You're right. flipping virtual property. Right. And so, I mean, it's, yep. it's not uncommon. I mean, we had somebody buy a domain from us that, 
you know, we just had bought because we were thinking about doing something. Uh-huh. And um, and then it just, it sat there because we never went forward with it. And we just got an email uh-huh. saying, I'd like to buy your domain. They paid a couple thousand dollars for yeah. it. And it's yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can and do that. So right. that's, and, and that's what we offered them. <laughs> right, right. And buying the, the, what they told you at the small business is is absolutely correct. And it's what I tell people. Buy them in every iteration that are right. out there and keep your eyes open for the new iterations that are right. out there. Right. You know, um, yeah. well, uh, I bought yeah. for, for my nutraceuticals, I, I bought um, tmrosenp.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I, I have that directed to my nutraceuticals and I have links to that. And, uh, and now I have to start looking at names for my new yes. practice and how exciting trying to think. And how then I'll exciting. have to look at domain names to see if they're available. And yep. Yeah. Excellent. So. Excellent. This has been fabulous. And okay. if people want to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, well, they can certainly find me um, on Facebook um, at Tina Rose um, or or Tina Rose NP. I, I have a page, Tina Rose NP. Um, my practice name is Just Us Women Health Center, and it's uh, the domain is JustUsWomenHC.com. And my email is NP at gmail. Excellent. And I will have all of that in the show notes over at npbusiness.com forward slash podcast for those listening. They can find everything there. So it was so good to connect with you after all these years. Thank you, Barbara. It was my pleasure. It was an honor. Welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to thank Tina for sharing her pearls of wisdom with us today. And I'd like you to make sure that you head on over to npbusiness.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today's episodes, as well as the resources, links, and contact information. And while you're there, make sure that you look around the blog and take note of the education, resources, and support options that are available to you on the topic of the business of healthcare, practice and business startup, and more. Again, that's npbusiness.com. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.